Welcome to the Prepped and Polished podcast, the podcast that empowers you to take control of your education, featuring weekly interviews with influencers in the world of education, as well as tutoring tips, lessons, and updates. And now, here's your host. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another tutoring tips episode of Prepped and Polished podcast. This is Aaron Kahn from Prepped and Polished. Please be sure to check out our website, www.preppedandpolished.com, for tutoring in person or online. Call us at 781-753-9951 or chat with us instantly on our website. You can join our Prepped and Polished community on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Prepped and Polished. If you have any questions after the show, please feel free to ask us a question on the chat feature on our website. We love hearing from you. Now let's get right into episode number 228, what 36 ACT and 1600 perfect score test takers share in common. When dealing with either the ACT or SAT, it's important to know that there are different strategies that one can take throughout the course of preparing for the test. What we're going to talk about today is certain qualities and characteristics that 36 ACT test takers and 1600 SAT test takers all have in common. First off is thinking about the study skills and the preparation of the student. It really matters how much time and effort you put into your studying. First of all, just because you study more hours does not mean that's going to equal a higher score. Sometimes some of the most effective studying schedules is short amount of time over long periods of time or long-term studying. Uh, sometimes students end up trying to cram for the SAT the week before. Now that is not the ideal scenario but some studying is better than no study. Ideal case, we get students who come in who have working towards a test date of several months beforehand, in which case we can then create a study guide, formula list, uh, rules on grammar and punctuation, and practice problems that all fit for what the student needs to prepare for the test. Having enough time gives us enough time for the brain to adjust its approach to answering questions on any section of the test. Anything from math formulas of simple algebraic principles to grammar rules to how to annotate and analyze passages to even writing the essay portion of both the ACT and SAT, time is definitely a factor and how we prepare is important. Time can be a factor when prepping for the test. We definitely like and prefer to soon start early, but not too early. Uh, usually what we try and do is we try and get a few months before the first test or testing season. For example, if you're planning on taking it in the fall, uh, the typical test dates are August, for, for at least for the SAT, are August, October, November, December. For the ACT, it's September, October, December. So when we are looking at that first test date, whatever works for your schedule, we want to have a few months to be able to prepare for it. Now, saying anything more than that, it's not a bad thing, but test fatigue can be an issue. On the flip side of that, as I mentioned, you don't want to cram. If you have the test in three days' time, it's probably not a good thing to try and cram everything in to know it for that test date anything, I usually recommend that students push back the start time if they're less than a week before the test and have not, have not done any studying. 
Having time also allows you to create kind of a planner and schedule for test prep. If we're looking at several different factors and areas of focus to improve upon, we might need more time to do so. But the opposite is also true. If you just have math to focus in on, it's good to have three months to really meticulously go through each part of the test. Now, in terms of determination, a lot of students who get a 36 or uh, on the ACT or 1600 on the SAT, the mindset is, you know, it's good to go and we need to hit the ground running. So that means distractions, distractions, distractions cannot be a factor. If you are a three season sport athlete, probably the best time to do prep would be over the summer before the fall season begins. If you're a student who has fall sports only, or spring sports only, let's try and plan around that. Uh, I have some students who sometimes are involved in other extracurricular activities. We definitely want to try and accommodate those so that we're not trying to take a test the week of a show production or uh, leading into a big competition that they've prepare, been preparing for months in conjunction with test prep. Another factor is adaptation. If we perform the same task over and over again, expecting different results, that's not going to work. This is what we call the definition of insanity. If we can learn from our mistakes, and a lot of students who take the test, if they're able to do this, they can improve their score. Because if you learn from your mistakes and you make a conscious effort to not make them again, you're going to be prepared for anything that could show up. In addition, Adaptation can include also reviewing previous problems or practice tests. Uh, when we have students who come in uh, seeking SAT and ACT test prep and have taken a previously administered test, whether that be official or not official, usually what I have in the first session is going over that test, understanding what did you do right and what did you do wrong. Sometimes it's as easy as, oh, I made a simple calculation error. But even that recognition can help in terms of avoiding that same error again on a similar test. And that's another part, recognizing the aspects of the test or the section that is most challenging, but also easiest for you. If you are typically getting zero or one questions wrong in the reading, we probably don't need to spend too much time on the reading, save for making sure that there's no stone left unturned in terms of types of passages and types of questions that you're getting wrong. On the flip side, if you are always struggling with the math, how can we better that situation? How can we better that section? Well, that's gonna involve a lot of work with the math. So as we go through the test prep process and as I'm working on it with students, I always try and say, well, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? If we focus on the weaknesses, we can build upon that. And students who are getting 36s and 1600s are recognizing those areas of challenges and working to improve upon them. The last point I'd like to make about 36 and 1600 test takers is a thing I call the X factor. Now, some students have an intense drive factor pushing them to do better on their tests, whether that be something sports related, aka they're trying to win a scholarship for playing sports, or they're trying to get onto the team and they need a specific score range. 
that can be a factor. Sometimes students are aiming for a certain academic goal. Uh, some Ivy League school or specific school that they're looking for want the 36 or a very high score. So that's pushing them to do that well. Other things could be personal goals that they personally want to try and aim for a 36 and they put that drive factor into that goal. Having a drive factor such as this can sometimes push students to new leaps and bounds or new personal scores. So if you have a goal in mind, latch on to that and make that the priority. Another part of the X factor that students can't really control is sometimes their process of elimination. Some students that I've worked with have incredibly, what some might say, insane guessing abilities. Going a whole passage guessing on it and getting 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 correct. Some students have photographic memories and don't need to refer back to the passage to answer the questions that are being presented. Now, obviously, we don't have control of these, and no one person can create a photographic memory. However, in terms of guessing abilities and strategic elimination, there are routes that can be taken to improve upon that. And if that is something that a student is working on, we can work on improving that process of elimination so that they're spending less time and getting more questions correct than guessing randomly or choosing something that I like to call the letter of the day. When we're considering all the factors for someone who is scoring a 1600 on the SAT or 36 on the ACT, we think about the study skills and preparation, the time, determination, adaptation, and X factors that any one student may have. But remember, it's important not only to recognize these, but build upon them. And at Prepped and Polished, we work with students in every capacity to try and improve upon these areas, as well as specific areas that, may, that they may need help on. Again, if you find yourself trying to aim for a 36 on the ACT or 1600 on the SAT, please feel free to contact us and we're happy to try and create that approach that works best for you. This wraps up our show, episode number 228, what 36 ACT and 1600 perfect score test takers share in common. Be on the lookout for our next episode, number 229. Thanks for joining us on the Prepped and Polished podcast. Now go out there and take control of your education. You've been listening to the Prepped and Polished podcast. For more information, check out preppedandpolished.com. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Class dismissed.